Welcome back, folks, to the Gaming with Sidekicks podcast. This is episode five. Today, we're going to be discussing some of the games we like. We're going to look at your comments from the game of the month, Azul, and uh, maybe talk a, a little bit about some Kickstarters that we have some well, some personal affection for, and uh, maybe even some hands-in on um, the game design itself. But before we get into some of that, let's uh, introduce the dynamic duo you have today. First off, my name is Isaac, and joining me today is Randy. Uh, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you? I'm great. I can't complain. It's been a, been a few weeks. Uh, we've had, as it tends to do, life kind of get in the way for everybody, but excited to get this uh, back on the air for everyone. That certainly does. So, let's dive right in, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, let's go with the traditional start here. Is is kind of what are you playing now? So, Randy, what's what's hitting the table for you? Um, I recently played a new game, uh, new to me, called Mission Red Planet by Fantasy Flight. Um, played it at a local game night uh, about a week ago. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you're taking turns playing cards from your hand. Um. And whoever has plays the highest value card has priority to load a certain number of astronauts onto rockets. Once the rockets are full, they blast off to Mars, the red planet. And once you're done with the, you know, the jockeying for priority, which card are you going to play? Uh, then it becomes area control. Once you're on Mars, uh, you're trying to mine these precious stones that are worth different amounts of victory points. Um, there's some hidden agendas that can be revealed throughout the game. Um, real, real fun area control game. Uh, I had a lot more fun playing it than I thought I would. And the art was, you know, perfect blend of kind of steampunk astronaut, eh, kind of cartoony. I I really liked it. Um, it's definitely on my on my wish list if I see it around. Um, but yeah, Mission Red Planet by Fantasy Flight. That's uh, that's your kind of artwork style, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely one I've heard of. I think um, it, it came out around. Uh, it's not too old, right? It's just a few years old. Um, man, I could not tell you. I thought it just only had a few years on it, so I know it's one that that I've definitely seen. Um, with that that Mars theme, but it looks it looks really cool. Um, when I definitely like you said, wouldn't mind uh, wouldn't mind getting to play and hopefully uh, add to collection if it's a good one. What about you? What are you playing now? Uh, for me personally, uh, I had the opportunity to get a review copy of a game that was on Kickstarter last year. Uh, this game is called Carthage, C-A-R-T-H-A-G-E. It's designed by Luke Sinan, uh, with art by him and Ashina Sinan. Uh, the publishing company is SAS Creative. Uh, the game plays one to five players, plays in about 45 to 60 minutes on average as we've played it. And basically, it combines two two really neat things. It, it combines a deck builder with a arena skirmish, and it kind of slams these things together. So you have a board in the middle, and you've got these little minis. Uh, they are, I think we've gotten spoiled on miniatures, and when people think miniatures, they think maxatures with <laughs> minis. Like, we think, you know, we think Simon, uh, we think... Um, Grim Forest, like these really big, chunky guys. And these minis are definitely on the smaller side. They're probably uh, maybe 
three inches in size, they're thin, they'd be really tough to paint because they're small details, but you get one for each player and they enter this arena that's full of hexagons and you're moving around the arena and attacking, running, gaining armor, taking shots at other opponents based on the cards that you're playing uh, from your hand. And so as you can build into your deck some cards that maybe move faster or further or build more armor and then the currency is a, a favor so each round you have zero favor to start but as you play more favor into the theater of the arena you know the fans get excited they basically are giving you accolades and by having that favor you can buy better cards or cycle cards out of your deck or um, you know, do a few other little few other little trick things with these um, favor tokens so it's really kind of cool um, my son and I, Ethan, have had a chance to probably play it the most. It's it's fun. The gameplay really comes to me. The easiest thing to compare it to is Clank in that it's a deck builder plus. And I like the dungeon crawl of Clank, but I really liked the combat system here in Carthage. And I think that's what set it apart as a deck builder plus. Um, and there's lots of other cool little things like there's variety. You can go two versus two. Uh, you can have it where if you get knocked out, your character becomes an arena beast. So now you're still creating havoc for whoever's left. Think like, you know, lions on chains, uh, still trying to go after the combatants. So um, really cool, really well balanced, had a lot of fun with it. And that's Carthage um, by SAS Creative. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw that one when that came through to us and you, you snatched up to get the review copy of that. Um, I mean, it looked, looked like a pretty fun game. Um, that was a little before I started looking into Kickstarters too much, so that one got by before I was able to uh, really look into backing it. But I like the art. The artwork on the box looked pretty unique. Um, yeah, it, I think it looked like a pretty fun game. Glad to hear good things about it. Yeah, the art's been compared a lot to like a Frank Miller um, type of style, uh, like a Sin City type of thing. I'll be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a pretty... Uh, I can be okay with theme not being 100% in a game, uh, but art is kind of, and it's important to me, it's important to you too, I know Randy, um, and I think that that becomes really subjective, right? Like, what do you like, what do you don't like? Yeah. Um, some people love it. I I thought it was okay, but it definitely was not my favorite style of art, uh, but I've definitely shown this to a few different people who have had kind of both ends of the spectrum of like, wow, that art's amazing too. Eh, I don't know if I like it, but... It doesn't, I'll say this, it does not take away from the gameplay at all, right? It's just, it's a different, unique style of art. Um, so that's what we're playing now. The next category we want to talk about is what games we'd like to see as an app. So we've talked uh, in the last few episodes about games that we really enjoy that are apps uh, for your iOS or Android system, but maybe let's talk about what games maybe are on our high on our wish list. So Randy and I each came up with one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with, with my first one here, and, and that's a game that is near and dear to our hearts, uh, kind of the thing that got all of us started together in this gaming world, uh, is back on our original podcast and website at the Reserve Pool, uh, which was primarily and singularly focused on the game Dice Masters. Dice Masters is by WizKids, uh, created by Eric Lang and Mike Elliott. Uh, for those unfamiliar uh, with Dice Masters, it is a collectible card slash dice game uh, where you're amassing a team of superheroes 
There's Marvel, there's DC, there's also Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Yu-Gi-Oh cards available. And you have these custom dice for every one of these characters, which are just awesome. Um, I think that's really what drew me in in the first place. And so you get these teams. It's a one-on-one battle. My eight characters or actions, your eight characters and actions, and the dice are attacking and, and going back in bags. So it is a bag building type of game where you're adding, you're buying better dice to add into your bag to cycle through and try and knock your opponent's life of 20 down. Now, this game is great. It is an awesome game to play face-to-face with somebody. And if you really get into the collectible nature of this, you end up with a lot of stuff. Now, to have all of that stuff in an application form, similar to maybe the Magic, the Gathering apps uh, that are available out there, would just be really, really cool to be able to quickly amass teams and take them apart and switch this in and switch this out without having to go through binders and dice and trying to find the right (laughs) cards and dice. So um, an app version of Dice Masters, to me, uh, would just be so awesome, especially to be able to teach somebody the game or provide them an opportunity to play it when maybe they don't have a lot of good local players or, I don't know, maybe they've scared off their local players. Uh, but um, this is a game that uh, I would absolutely love to see in digital form. Yeah, I I mean, like you said, it's, it's where we all got to know each other. Um, that is an app that I think us and a handful of other people could you know, put about a thousand hours in on and... Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, looking at, you know, what games I play and uh, what I think would translate well to an app, um, I really think Sagrada by Floodgate would uh, would, would make a great app. The, the dice drafting could take a while, um, waiting for other players to take their turns, but as long as you're okay with maybe, a, you know, a game... A, single game of Sagrada taking you know a week or so I mean if you're just playing one other person maybe you're playing with four people um by the time every, you know everyone makes their draft and then places their places their die um I think it would be a real easy game to uh to translate to that platform I think you would need like a I don't know if you played the Ticket to Ride app where like sometimes our family will play that where maybe we don't feel like getting a game out, but we want to play a game. So we get on our digital devices and we all pull up Ticket to Ride and we don't have to do the pass and play version. We're all connected and we're looking at the same map while I'm taking tickets, everybody else is waiting and then somebody's device just like a train beep and now it's their turn and so the map is basically real-timed for all of us Mm. so if you had so if i roll the dice and you all see me roll the dice on on your individual screens now it's like oh look there's you know there's our what 11 dice and i picked that one and you see it disappear and now i see the one randy picks disappear and then he sees the one Stuart picks disappear, and then it just cycles back through. And then once all the dice are picked, we're individually placing them on our board. We hit enter, and now everybody's boards update. You know, so I, th- I think there's potential <clears throat> for it to have to be like that, but to have to wait, like you said, to like pass the tray could definitely make it a much longer game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I, I don't play a lot of uh, board game to app conversions on my phone, so I'm. I'm a little behind the times with what's out there and what they can do, but yeah, what you described with the ticket to ride one, that would be, uh, that would be great. Yeah. It would, it would fit like, it would fit it from a timely perspective and still get the overall like Sagrada like theme that you're looking for, right? Like 
it would it would it would hit on all cylinders there, right? It'd be convenient, but it would still you know hit hit uh, everything that we love about that game. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Good idea. Awesome. All right, well, give us a call, board game app designers, and <laughs> we'll we'll get these going for you. I have no idea how to do the actual functional part, but I've, as always, I'm full of ideas. So Co- concepts, <laughs> we got concepts. Yes, exactly. Where concepts are plenty. Um, <clears throat> next, we want to talk about is a uh, game that is our game of the month here in May, um, which is a game we've all had a chance to play. Uh, Stuart and I talked about kind of our personal experiences with it. Uh, Randy, you have had a chance to play the game, right? You've uh, you and JT played it together. Yeah, I played it a couple times uh, about a month or two ago. Um, I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I I don't think there's anything I can add new to the conversation that hasn't already been said about the game. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great game and we we kind of wanted to we so we threw that out there to to all of you to kind of say, "Hey, what do you like? Uh what do you think could be better? What do you what's your favorite experience playing it?" And and we got some comments. We wanted to kind of go through some of our favorite ones. Um we had uh, DJ Wesley Fox said, uh, love it. It really needs a better player board that doesn't slide. Meeple Realty makes an overlay, but it costs more than the actual game. Now, Meeple Realty puts some quality, quality product together. I love their stuff. Uh, they're definitely them and Broken Token, I think, of the top of the line stuff. And I don't think Meeple Realty has as big of a name as Broken Token does. But when we started talking about, like, additions to games that cost more than the game it comes really hard for me to want to buy that oh Insert yeah I, I agree any of that yeah and so like i love the idea and i hear what he's saying but like i would love something that locked those tiles in so maybe they didn't slide as much but the sliding doesn't bother me that much like it's a little inconvenient and depends on how active the table is i guess but it's yeah. it's a five dollar problem maybe a ten dollar problem but it's it's not, it's not another $40 worth of game problem. Right. Uh, Michael Van Oy uh, made the comment that I've played Azul and really enjoy it. Uh, made the comment also that his favorite moment was in a three-player game, and I'm looking at the other players' boards, and I'm counting tiles in the center. I started laughing hard because I hadn't counted the moves, and my wife was going to get six blue tiles she wouldn't be able to use. The only problem is I miscounted, and I ended up with all those negative points, so the joke was actually on me. Uh, Azul, Michael, I'm, I'm right there with you. That has happened to me a few times where I'm trying to do the math, especially with four players. Like, okay, this person looks like they can take this. This person can't take that. Okay, looks like I should be good. Looks like I'm out of the running. Oh, wait. Oh, no. And like he said, those X amount, in this case, six blue tiles. That's a lot of negative points. Um, in this game, I'll end up swinging around to him. So managing a two-player game is immensely easier than managing a four in this one. Uh, we also have the comment from uh, Gene Abercrombie, who's uh, actually one of our local players, a, a friend of mine, who said his favorite experience is 10,000% correct playing the game with me. Um, let me go into that detail. I learned this game from JT. Got to play <laughs> with his daughter and uh, him and myself and my son. And he taught me how to play this. And it seemed super cutthroat because when you could not complete a row at the end of a turn, the way he told us was that you discarded the entire row. The whole row fell down, which is not what the rules say. I didn't bother reading the rules because I read, I learned it from him. 
and then we subsequently play this game for a few weeks, probably a dozen times or more with our family, in this extremely cutthroat version of Azul. Then we played it with my friends Gene and his wife, and she didn't have like two or three complete rows. I'm like, oh yeah, drop all those down. You can't just leave those. She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you do. I'm like, no, you can't just leave those. And my buddy Gene is like, yeah, that's that's how that works. I'm like, no, I'm 100,000% correct here, or 10,000, a lot of 1,000% correct, that this is how you play it. My buddy JT taught me this. I'm pretty sure this he knew how to play it. So he pulled out the rule book, and one thing you learn is you never tell a lawyer, specifically a lawyer who looks at documents all day, that he's wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. I was wrong. So I had to apologize to him, apologize to his wife, and let JT know that he also had been playing it incorrectly. So fair experience there is the uh, sometimes overconfidence that some of us get as gamers. And I think I stole some of JT's overconfidence in that case. He's got a little bit of that sometimes. Yeah, because JT learned the, or you know taught the game incorrectly, I still haven't played the game correctly. Um. Because that's who I played it with a couple months ago. And I haven't played it since we found out about those incorrect rules. But uh, I'm looking forward that's to funny. that one day. So you've only played the cutthroat Azul. Right, right. <laughs> um, finally, with a um, comment from uh, Christopher Williams over in the UK. He said, uh, Azul is a great choice. It's got loads going for it. The components are well done. The tiles are satisfying. The bag is nice. The boards are sturdy. It took a while to get my head around the scoring but once you cracked it it comes naturally one word of warning he said he plays with his hashtag competitive wife who takes it way more serious than him and once she sussed out some of the more aggressive strategy around scoring block for example blocking me from scoring through hate drafting maneuvering me into cracked tile deductions we found a bit of a sharper edge to it so possibly not one to play with a cutthroat opponent if that sort of thing frustrates you also found it is a great game for two, three, or four players, and that subtle difference between two players and four makes it fresh and replayable. So I, I love his comments. I love the um, the kind of bends, like he said, towards competitive. This this is a game that I could sit down and play with very non-competitive people, and I think they would enjoy it, and also one that I could roll up my sleeves and go, okay, guys, this is one we're going to definitely become a little more cutthroat with and, you know, I'm purposely going to take this, even though it doesn't get me as much points, just to hose you with all these that you're going to have to drop on the on the ground because you can't put them anywhere. So it's a, it, it definitely has some of all of those things combined. So good game. That's our was our Game of the Month Azul. Uh, we will have a June Game of the Month coming up here in the very near future. So make sure you follow us over on some of our social media outlets and look for that and give us some comments and maybe uh, we'll give you a shout out here on the podcast. Next up is our um, what is on your radar segment. So kind of what's what's new, what's out there, what's maybe not out yet that you're excited or is definitely on your I want to check this out radar. So Randy, why don't you start that for us? Uh, one game that's on my radar uh, from Level 99 Games is called Temporal Odyssey. It's coming out this August, I believe. Um, it is... A game of dueling time travelers. It's uh, it can be played one v one or two v two. Um, 
You're a time traveler, you're controlling, you're opening portals to different parts of space and time, and you're drafting heroes, monsters uh, to your cause. Uh, you can also collect powerful artifacts to gain unique abilities. Um, you also have to manage uh, your your timeline, so to speak. Uh, the more you meddle in your timeline, the more unstable it becomes. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, I'm not sure how that's you know portrayed in the game, but I like that aspect of you know playing with time travel too much can can disrupt the continuum. Uh, but yeah, it's got. Uh, some drafting mechanics, uh, you know, some tactical gameplay, you know, being put right against your opponent. Uh, there's some resource management, having to control your timeline. Uh, I don't know enough about the nuts and bolts of this one yet, because like I said, it's not out till August. But I've liked some other games that Level 99 has put out. The theme really grabs me, and I I love the idea of having, you know, drafting and tactical gameplay, and some resource management, kind of all all meshed together in the same game. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, you've got a few level 99 games that you really like, so it's, again, it's one of those companies you really trust, right? That they're going to do some good work. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, even stuff that I don't own, I've just played at conventions. Um, I've, some of the stuff can be a little, a little heavy, um, but nothing that I've outright you know, not enjoyed. And that's the key, right? Like you find sometimes it's not like this company makes every single thing that I love, but I trust that this company like makes some good decisions on the games they put out. So I want to see, you know, what's the next thing that they're putting out and temporal odyssey sounds like a great one from them. Yep, exactly. And we, and we've all learned right in our youth, especially thanks to things like back to the future and, all of the Arrowverse and Flashverse that messing with the time-space continuum is always a bad idea. Man, just over the past probably five years or so, my wife and I have gotten really into Doctor Who, and so, and yeah, time travel is a nasty thing. Yeah, right? Like, it seems like something like I definitely don't ever really want, but I do. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure we'd find ways to screw it up. Uh, for me, on my radar, is uh, a game that was recently announced from Stonemaier Games. And one, definitely one of my favorite Stonemaier games uh, of all time is uh, a game called Scythe. And Viticulture, Scythe, those are both high on my list of favorites. But um, Scythe is, is just such a solid game in so many different ways. And there was a um, thread that went around and became pretty darn popular not too long ago, in the last year or more that um, a gentleman by the name of Hobie Chow, or Chu, C-H-O-U, um, kind of looked and found a way to create this game from Scythe with My Little Pony characters. And he actually called it My Little Scythe. And had all the bright colors, still had like some of the theme and feel of Scythe, but definitely more of a little kid version. And he, and he did this game he played it he tested it he created it with his daughter and <clears throat> kind of took it around and if you follow stonemeyer games you'll see um jamie stagmeyer talk about this game something they took to hasbro something they wanted to see like hey could we put something together with my little pony and kind of smash these worlds together and resounding answer was no no we can't 
so um, this game as a print and play was something people really, really liked as the uh, My Little Scythe, the um, My Little Pony version. Now, fast forward to not too long ago, and we have Stonemeyer Games announcing, hey, guess what? We are going to give you My Little Scythe, the real game, coming straight from Stonemeyer. So what they did is they created this family-friendly but competitive game where each player has these two little animal miniatures, and they kind of go on an adventure around this kingdom. Uh, some of the mechanisms are similar to Scythe. However, um, if you go in, and, and Jamie right now is going through this detailed review of the game and looking at things that like they wanted to instead of make combat a big thing like cooperative a big thing and there's ways that like how well you work with other players rewards you at the end of the game so you know you're doing things like increasing your friendship by helping a player baking them a pie or um, doing all these other things you can complete quests you can power up you can deliver gems or food and um, if you do get in a fight with somebody it's a pie fight specifically so uh, very very cool very unique Definitely in the realm of kids' games, but you know, talking about companies we trust, Stonemaier Games has never let me down on anything uh, that they've put put out, and I fully expect this to be a game that is just going to be amazing. So, take a look. Make sure you keep an eye out for it. This is my little scythe from Stonemaier Games. Yeah, that sounds great. I love the story behind it. Uh, I played Scythe one time. And you know what? It it didn't live up to the hype for me. Um, I'm like, man, what is everyone saying so great about this game? I just wasn't my cup of tea. So this version of Scythe, um, that's a little more simple, a little more family friendly, really sounds like it's up my alley. And if I can convince some friends to bake pies for me while we're at it, then oh, I mean, man. this one will see the table every day. Win win. <laughs> I liked in his most recent. Like Jamie's really good about. <clears throat> sharing um, production. He's really good about sharing like why I did what I did. And he talked about like the price point for this and like how he wanted to have this type of component or like there's these really cool animal minis and he would have loved to have them all be pre-painted and look real nice, but that was going to be costly. So instead of being able to put in these pre-painted finished sculpts, they are minis that could be painted and the game is going to come with a how to paint this mini guide for all of these minis like this is the best way to you know you can do what you want but here's a painting guide how cool is that for a board game with minis especially one that's family friendly like that sit down with the kids like hey exactly. you know exactly you kids see some of my games i get they have these minis that i like to paint here's a game for us and it tells us how to paint our minis let's learn and do this together like that's fantastic yeah, it's just like Stonemaier Games continues, at least for me and, and I think for a lot of other people in the industry, to be like just the, the gold standard for doing things the right way. And like you said, Scythe may not have been your game, but you can recognize like, okay, like there's some quality in the game. Oh, how yeah. How it looks, how it's packaged, how it's put out there. Like, And I'll be honest with you, the first time I played Scythe, it was a three-hour sludge fest of trying <laughs> to learn the game with three other people that had never played it, and it was difficult. But, man, every time I've gone back to it, I've seen more little nuance and like and ways to, to do well with it. And it's, I think the fact that it's not a combat game, but it is a at its core, more of a resource management, exploration, 
game really like I think it hides behind combat that isn't really like a big thing. It really is an area control, pick up and deliver, you know, resource game, and that that at its core is just it, it's so smooth. Like Viticulture is another great example of like Stonemaier games. They're just they're smooth. I don't know how else to describe it other than the gameplay just seems seamless. Um, and and I love that. I love that about his games. So my little scythe definitely high on my radar when I hope to be. Uh, getting a hold of as soon as I can and getting a uh, good review out there for all of y'all. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Um, that's what's on our radar. Finally, we want to uh, finish up with talking about some Kickstarter news. Now, there's a couple of things going on in Kickstarter. Uh, actually, there's a ton of things going on in Kickstarter, as there always is. Um, but uh, what's kind of what's kind of caught our eye? And there's there's two things we want to talk about specifically. And the first one is a game by Out of Order Games. Uh, out of Order Games is done a second edition of a game that they had out a bit ago called Block by Block, the Insurrection game. Uh, Block by Block has been on Kickstarter uh, for about 15 days. As of the time of this recording, uh, it's about halfway through, so it's going to uh, reach its goal. It is. It has reached its goal. It's going to fund uh, June 14th. And so depending on when you listen to this, you've got to go about the middle of the month to get in and, and back this game. It was a $45,000 goal. It's sitting just a little bit above that. Um, when we recorded this, so it's smashing towards its stretch goals. Um, it's a two to four player game, plays in a few hours, and um, really from a gameplay um, specific standpoint, um, that I have yet to get to play this, but I do know somebody who has. So, uh, Randy, what what did uh, what did you get to do with this game? Because you you did get your hands on it, correct? I did. Um, this is a a fantastic game. Uh, it's a little bit of worker placement. Um, I suppose it is some area control. It's semi-cooperative. Um, there's a trader mechanic in the three to four player uh, version. Um, so that trader can they can try to you know meet their objectives to win at the expense of everyone else losing. Um, but yeah, you are controlling a segment of the population the students the workers the neighbors or the prisoners and the oppressive government is you know coming down hard on the city and if you don't do something to fight back then the military will come in and come in and years of oppression will follow um that is exactly what the rule book says years of oppression will follow so to prevent that from happening you need to uh liberate city districts uh, defeat the riot cops, kick them out of your areas, uh, you know, establish your, you know, your segment of the population's uh, dominance in the city, and uh, yeah, win one for the good guys. Keep the keep the riot cops out of there. Um, so this is one that we had a chance here, at Game of Sidekicks, to um, do a video playthrough and a written review, and so Randy and JT. Uh, did the playthrough, and uh, Randy wrote up the written review. And if you go over to Kickstarter and take a look at this, you'll see um, we are featured under their uh, reviews and videos. Uh, Randy featured first off uh, with the article and then the video review with a few other um, people in the community doing some preview review as well. So 
Um, this is one that, that I definitely recommend you get out there, you take a look at. And if you have not yet been able to, get over on our Facebook page where we are giving away a copy of this game as a fun, or basically we're giving away a um, a funding uh, a pledge, right? right? Yep, whatever uh, whatever stretch goals are included into the base game, uh, we that is what we'll be giving away. Uh, we will receive a copy uh, when the whole thing is completed this fall, and we will be shipping that out to the winner of our contest. Um, our contest will end, uh, I believe, the 12th of June. I think Yep. Um, and so make sure you get over to our page, uh, find us on Facebook and enter that contest, uh, get in the drawing for that. And, uh, even if you don't win, we'll still still have the notification, um, prior to the, the campaign ending. If, if you need to go ahead and back it. Perfect. So yeah, check that one out. That is block by block, the insurrection game. Um, what is on your Kickstarter agenda out there, Randy? What uh, what are you looking at? Oh, I've got, I've got a pretty uh, vested interest in this one. It is called the Christmas Lights Card Game by Twenty Fifth Century Games. Um, as of this recording, the Kickstarter, you know, just uh, started today. And it already reached funding within eight hours. Uh, the game is already awesome. funded. It will will be made. Uh, awesome. The Chris- Christmas Lights card game is a set collection game. Uh, I've heard it compared to... Um, I think Hanabi is there, one of the ones I saw. Yep. I, it, I haven't played that myself, and I was trying to remember how to pronounce it. But yeah. Um, where you do not actually see the cards that are in your hand, your the other players do, and you're trying to uh, to complete the set of the pattern of Christmas lights uh, that is on your pattern card. Um, really fun artwork, uh, just real bright, colorful, round, bulbous characters to kind of you know match the, the light bulbs themselves. Um, family friendly. Christmas themed it it looks like just a lot of fun that any even your non-gaming family members will be able to sit around and play when you see them for the holidays uh, one thing that this game boasts is it includes nine bonus games so when this game was in development the creator reached out uh, through various Facebook groups and said hey I've got this game coming out um, I'd like some other rules some other games to be able to play be played with these components so i will send a list of the components i have and go ahead and come up with a new set of rules for the game and we'll include it in the in the copy as one of the bonus ways to play and i just so happen to create one of these bonus rule sets for this game uh this will and since the game is already funded it's now only a matter of time until i am a published game designer which is pretty fantastic. That's been a goal for a little while now. And uh, awesome. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, but yeah, uh, throughout the month, uh, while this Kickstarter is active, uh, the campaign ends on June 27th. Uh, so you've still got quite a bit of time, uh, depending on when you listen to this. Um, 
but at intervals throughout the campaign, they'll be revealing these other uh, game modes, these bonus rule sets to be able to be played. And I think that's a fun way to keep people interested in the campaign as it goes forward, because this game is not going to have a lot of stretch goals. Uh, there, there's going to be some component upgrades, you know, just get some better quality cards, uh, stuff like that. But they have a real firm idea of what they want, and they want to be able to guarantee shipping before Christmas this year. So there's not going to be, you know, a lot of add-ons and extra stuff thrown into the game. Um, it's just a few component upgrades, and everything over the funding goal is just, you know, extra. Um, I, I really respect that approach. Uh, it's kind of unique in today's Kickstarter landscape to just say, yeah, we're not really doing many stretch goals. Um, we really just want to get you the game we have in mind as fast as possible. And, you know, the more money we make, the faster we can get it to you. Um, but yeah, my my rule set will be included in the game. Uh, it'll be unveiled sometime through the Kickstarter campaign, and I'll be sure to, to pass that along through social media when that is unveiled. Uh, but yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm really excited about this one, obviously. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's super exciting. Yeah, the Christmas Lights card game from 25th Century Games. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where um, where this one lands, like how high this goes up, and, and super excited, like you said, that uh, you get to be a part of it. So it's good, good news all around. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of wraps up what we're looking at currently in the board game world. Uh, we want to uh, prepare you for what we're actually super excited for. Uh, at the time we record this, we are rounding off the month of May, and uh, we're going to be looking at June. And June kind of starts off the start, at least here in the United States, of uh, some of the bigger board game conventions. Uh, Origins being the first one, kicking into June, uh, weekend, uh, the week into the weekend, uh, before Father's Day, um, followed very closely by Gen Con and some other ones like Grand Con and PAX Unplugged and, and some of those. So we um, we will have uh, at least three of the four of us, myself, Randy, and JT at Origins. And um, not sure about Gen Con. Uh, PAX, we may have some um, people hanging out at, at that one as well. So, you know, it's something that as uh, we continue to grow, uh, we'll probably make more of an effort to get to some of these things. But Origins is definitely uh, definitely our place to hang out and have a good time. So we're excited about that. We want to take our next episode to specifically talk about some of the Origins, things that you may or may not get a chance um, to do or things that you just need to know about Origins and about the great city of Columbus here in the great state of Ohio. So, We'll be looking at that here uh, in the near future, but we want to finish up today's episode here. Um, so we want to thank you for joining us here at the Gaming with Sidekicks podcast. Again, this was episode five. Uh, promotional consideration has been provided in the form of review copies. We want to encourage you to follow us over on our site, uh, gamingwithsidekicks.com. And make sure you're also following us on our social media pages, specifically uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, where we are most active with keeping things updated with news, posts, what we're playing, and questions to you and the community. Also, make sure you comment and subscribe to us on our iTunes podcast feed. Uh, just some comments on there, some ratings would be awesome. Uh, would help people to get to start finding us, which we would love to continue to build the audience that we're starting with here over at uh, at the site. 
We know you could have been anywhere else in the world today, but the fact that you're here with us today, we just we just really appreciate that. So before we get going, I want to thank once again Randy for joining us tonight. Randy, thank you for your insight, and uh, again, congrats on uh, things going on with that Christmas game. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, it's always good to get on here and talk some games with you. Absolutely. And uh, again, this has been Isaac. And from all of us here at Game of Sidekicks, we want to keep encouraging you to keep playing those games you like with the people you love. And we will see you next time.